0: Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit praisecenteronline.com. I would like you to get your Bibles open today to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 25. We'll get to reading that in just a moment. We're continuing this week following with our uh, rooted study, our theme about rooted uh there is a study that's taking place on Sunday nights that a good, a good number, almost all of the folks of this church are attending and being a part of on Sunday nights. And just to say, if any of you... Hear about this, and you think, man, I'd like to do that. Don't never fear because coming uh, in spring, uh, we're going to open up another rooted group that will follow along the same path and everything. And so, I just happened on this first time to be preaching through it as well. And uh, so, we're going to keep up with the theme of the things that we're studying as we're going through it. So, in April, be looking forward to a new rooted group. Some people have been asking, you know, I have a friend that I think would get so much out of this. And, And that would be an awesome opportunity to say, I will even go with you, right? and take it again with that other person. So I would ask you to think about that as we, and we'll be announcing that as it comes along sometime around Easterish. Okay, the title today of my message is, How Can I Make the Most of My Life, Part 2? Because we talked about this last week as well, and uh, it's actually a continuation of that message, if you will. So I'd encourage you, as always, go online, listen if you need to get caught up in any of the messages that you've missed. And our text today, as we're going to read just now, is uh, what is generally called the story of the Good Samaritan, and probably rightly so is a good name for it. But why don't we go straight into the text I'm reading from the NIV 2011 version. Follow along with me here. On one occasion, an expert in the law, I want you to just note that and stop there for a moment and realize who this guy is. He, he is an expert. He is somebody who knows the law uh, probably as well as anybody could possibly know the law. So he... Uh, uh, He stood up to test Jesus. That's where he's coming from initially. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus replies, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. These, these two passages, uh, two, two items come from different passages from Deuteronomy. And it really, it, it boils down all the commandments. If you love God with everything you've got, then you'll obey the first four commandments. And if you love people as you love yourself, you'll obey the next six commandments, no problem, right? And so, uh, and so that seems like very straightforward. It sounds easy on the surface, but not so much. Jesus in verse 28. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Remember, he's asking about eternal life. What's it take to live forever? Do this and you will live. And here comes that three-letter word that, you know, we, as soon as you see this, you know there's always something, another shoe that needs to fall. But he wanted to justify himself, right? So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, Here comes the parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, One of the people that took care of the temple, and they were just about like the priests. They were of the priestly line, but but so too when he came to that place, he saw him, and he passed to the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, that's a day's wage each, so two days' wages. (coughs) He gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, I just, just reading your words right now. I've, I just feel in this room a stirring in our hearts, God. We are moved by your words. The word of God is precious to us. It's powerful. It's like a two-edged sword, and it's, it's, it's good. in the we, we don't think of that, Lord, as necessarily a bad thing, but it is def, a defense mechanism and a weapon, but it is also something that can divide away uh, the flesh of us from the spirit of us, and, Lord, that's what we want today. Be precise in that sharp two-edged sword today, and, God, if there's any flesh, if there's any word, if there's anything, God, that needs to be cut away, we ask you to do it. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen to the Lord? Yeah, I just, that's one thing. It's like, a, a, you could probably translate it, it's like a two-edged scalpel. It's going to come in and just so rightly divine. You know, it's going to take out away the flesh and the things, and it's going to leave behind the good stuff. And that's what we want. Um, how many like Amazon? I'm not saying they're politics, I'm just saying. You love ordering things from Amazon, right? <laughs> I felt a wave of, oh, what's he going to say, you know? Um, but, but no, I'm not going to get into all that other stuff. But, but, but Rhonda recently ordered something from Amazon. Yes, yeah, she did. And... Um, and that's, that's fine. And as you might have noticed if you've been around for a while, Rhonda has decided that there is no instrument on earth that she will not attempt to play and get proficient at. And so her, I think maybe nine months ago or so, she, she decided, I'm going to learn to play guitar. And she's been doing really good. She played bass this morning, but sometimes she plays electric guitar. And she's just amazing, isn't she? Come on, let's give it up for Rhonda today. So good. Well, she has been talking about it incessantly for... And, and I've learned to love that about her, <laughs> but, uh, but when she gets her mind on something and gets a heart for something, it's like, you know, it's like she sinks her fangs into it and will not let go, and she's been having this idea for probably two months now that I've got to buy an electric guitar that I can practice with at home and that sort of thing, and she kept doing research, and she would, she would go on and on. We'd be driving places, and she would, she would give these long explanations about the kind of guitar she wanted, how long the neck, you know, the size it was to be, the color, I mean, all this stuff, and and, and, you know, I, as a good husband does, I I showed the most interest I possibly could. But at times, I'm like, I thought, man, it's just too much. It's too much. Well, anyway, she... She orders this guitar online. She orders it, and uh, it happened to be that week when the passes got closed and all that stuff. Now, we have Amazon Prime. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Amazon Prime. I love Amazon Prime, you know. Uh, one time I read an article, and a guy was saying, Amazon Prime is a hoax. You shouldn't have it and all this stuff. And he was saying, you know, if you'll just be patient and wait and order things together, you can still get free shipping, and maybe you don't get it as fast. And he, he was trying to make a good point, and I was thinking, you dope. you. You obviously don't understand how fun it is to see that line underneath it when you order something that says, it'll be there in two days. That's, that, that's worth a lot to me just reading that, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's that much money, honestly, when you, when you get that kind of satisfaction at that moment, like, woo, come on, it's going to be here in two days. I, you know, even in Seattle, I don't know if you know this, I, I have people, friends in Seattle, they get same day. They'll order it in the morning. It'll be there in like four hours. Yeah, yeah, they just, because Amazon's right there. They just grab the stuff and they bring it to their house. I, I'm all in on the, like, the idea of these drones delivering stuff to my back deck. Absolutely. I can't wait for the day when I am online ordering something and the drone is coming in as I'm finishing up. Right? Because I want that instant gratification. Well, that's not what Rhonda experienced that week. She did not receive that instant gratification. She... Uh, we did, I think she ordered it on the weekend or maybe on Monday, but they said this in particular wasn't going to make it in the two-day normal shipping thing. It was going to be a five-day shipping thing, they said. So they said it's going to be Friday, and she's like, oh, I can't believe i got to wait that long. Okay, so she had her set, site set on Friday. Well, come around Wednesday evening, I get, you know, you get these communications all the time. I get an email uh, from UPS, they say, hey, we have a package for you, we're going to deliver it tomorrow between 2.30 and 6.30 p.m. And so, on Thursday, and so I, I told Rhonda, hey, I, I got an email that says you're going to get your package tomorrow, and she was like, wah, she was going crazy. <laughs> And so all day we had a wedding that night. This was Valentine's Day. We had a wedding. And I said, We gotta go now. And she's going, But but it's not here yet. I'm going, No, oh, we gotta come on, we gotta go to church. We gotta go do this wedding. You know, and she was just really, you know, torn because she's thinking her package is gonna show up. So I'm telling a way longer story than I mean to here. But anyway, so uh, it didn't come that day. It, we get another uh, t- email that afternoon, evening, later. I looked it up. It says, oh, it'll be here tomorrow. And she goes, okay, okay, tomorrow. That's when I was expecting it anyway. So tomorrow comes Friday. She's just like, you know, looking out the window all day. And, and the passes were a problem. And it was just issues. And guess what? It didn't show up Friday either. Then I get an email that says, it'll be here tomorrow. So they're going to deliver on Saturday. So she's, okay, oh, I've got one more day to wait. Now it's, you know, it's really starting to bother her. But she's putting on a brave face. Saturday comes all day long, at the end of the day, when it's beyond any hope, she's just like dejected. <laughs> Next day, we come to church. We come to church. We have a good church. And, and then, uh, you know, we're dr- I, she said, do you think they'll deliver it on Sunday? And I'm going, no, I don't think they'll deliver it on Sunday. And, and as we're leaving church on the way home, we happen to see, of all things, a mail truck out running around the neighborhood delivering things. And her hopes got up again, which were dashed because it didn't show up on Sunday. <laughs> Finally, it showed up on Monday. And she was elated. She was excited. She, she plays electric guitar all the time in the house. Now, I feel like I have a teenager in my house. I'm trying to watch TV. I'm trying to watch TV, and she's over there jamming out. I'm like, can you? I haven't said it yet, but I guess I'll say it now. Could you please go to a different room while I'm watching? It? I've been trying to be nice about it, but it's really it's something, you know. So... But I think... Can, come on, can we all get on board with Rhonda? Can we all agree that we do the same thing, maybe in different ways for different things, but this rise and fall of emotion that takes place when, when we're, not maybe it's not just ordering something, but we're anticipating something, we're wanting something, we, we think about it, we, we think, oh, we get excited to get it. I, I get just as excited as she does, honestly, to get things delivered. Unless it's work-related, then I'm not so excited, but so, so be it. But it's interesting how our happiness can rise and fall on the expectation of something we are going to receive, right? Our topic today, again, is how to make the most of our lives. How can we make the most of our lives? How can we be in the place that the, that the life that we live is a fulfilled life? I mean, it's fun to get packages delivered, but we all know that's temporal happiness, isn't it? Right. We're, we're, we're wanting to talk about something that's like happiness down from the top of your heads to the soles of your feet. I mean, just a, a core kind of happiness. And then we read the words of Jesus from Acts 20, 35 on the screen. It says, it is more blessed to, what does it say? Yeah. Give than to receive. Now, I want you to understand something about that. Jesus isn't saying it's bad to receive, or it's not fun, or happy, or even blessed to receive. He's not saying that. What does he say? What's the word he uses? It's, more, right? So think about how much fun it is, right? Think about Rhonda, like, my guitar is here, Wah! As fun as that is, and as wonderful, and as happy as that moment is, Jesus is saying, consider the, the joy and anticipation now of what's going to happen when you learn to be someone who is giving of yourself. See, you're better off, you're happier if you give. I'm not talking offering today, I'll talk about that next week. No, I'm talking about just how we are around people, how we feel about people. The man in the story, the parable is a traveler. I want us to relate to him as as a as somebody that's like us in our lives. That's, that's what we're doing. We're always getting from here to there. I don't mean necessarily geographically. We do a lot of that too. And again, thank you for making it through the snow to church today. But, but, but aren't we just kind of moving through life? We're going from here to there. We're going from moment to moment. We're traveling through this life. Are you with me? So, so this is, we, we we're going we to put ourselves in the shoes, or humanity in the shoes of the traveler. And, and he's attacked and left half dead half dead. He's on his way to death, and without, without help, he certainly would have died. And, and, and this is us, if you will, without Christ. This is us when we don't have the Lord in our lives, that we have the appearance of life on us, but we're on a trajectory that will lead to ultimate, and I mean spiritual and eternal death. I'm not talking about necessarily physical death. though that's what leads to the other. So, so he's half dead. And um, and so our, uh, the story continues, and Jesus begins to tell a story. He says, first, the law goes by. The law, now that's the priest and the Levite. We're going to lump them two together. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that part of it. But they come along, and they see this guy over on the side of the road, and instead of walking over to him, they divert and go to the other side of the road. Because the law, even though it's right, cannot save the man. Are you with me? The law, there's nothing wrong with the law. Ron and I were having a conversation on the way to church today. I hope I'm not stealing something you're going to share later, but too bad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she was telling me, though, of a, a verse in Matthew 5 where, where it says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, the, the people of the law, you will not experience the kingdom of heaven. You won't experience eternal life. So, so he's saying their righteousness, however great it is, is not enough. You can't, even if, if it, you can't even imagine how much further you have to go to reach that place. The, 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 the Old Testament law is perfect, but it is unable to save us. The law is good and it's perfect, but we can't keep it fully. I mean, I'm in the middle of Leviticus right now. I don't even want to think about it, right? Like, how do you even think about all those rules and stuff? The Jews claimed that they had over 600 rules that came from the law. And, and those who are intellectually honest realized they couldn't keep it all. This is why this expert in the law, I believe, is really coming to Jesus, because he, he initially is like, he wants to test Jesus, you know. But what's behind the testing of Jesus is him realizing down deep inside, man, I just, I cannot keep all the law. I can't keep it all. And so he's asking, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? And they go through this whole thing. And, and so, so, uh, so he's, he's having a conundrum over this whole idea. And he realizes down deep in his heart, he can't keep up. He just can't keep up. I think Aaron was alluding that we're trying to base our relationship with God on our works or our own righteousness as if that could ever do anything for us. And it doesn't work. We can't do it. So so we have this priest in there, Levite, that passed by on the other side. And and they might have even felt justified in passing to the other side because the the law uh, would tell you that uh, that if you're a priest you can't defile yourself by touching a dead person maybe he didn't know if he was dead or not you know you could think through the process what's going on here maybe the Levite was dealing with something holy some some errand of holiness walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and and they may have felt like by doing something about that, they would have defiled themselves because of the rules. some of the rules from the law. But even so, if you think about it, if you go a little deeper in the Old Testament, you find that there are things that supersede the law. For instance, from Isaiah 58... This scripture says, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? So we may think that the priests and the Levites should have known better, but then we examine our own hearts and realize we're full of excuses about why we don't remember to and reach out more, and help people more, right? Am I, is that okay to be real? And I, I, feel, I feel guilty in this area, I really do. And I'm saying, God help me. As I've been studying this week, I've really been searching my heart and saying, God, I really, I, I need you to spiritually kick me in the rear end in this department. I really need some help in this area. I'm being real with you. The heart of God in the Old Testament was to desire mercy, not Sacrifice. Not that sacrifice was unimportant, but if you had to choose between the two, go for mercy. Mercy triumphs and trumps sacrifice every time. And in another place, it says obedience will trump sacrifice. Just being obedient to God. You catching this? So, so, like, for instance, the Sabbath day is holy in the law. And I mean, it is, like, very strict what you can do and not do on the, on the Sabbath day. But... but But then Jesus points out that even if your child or your animal is stuck in a pit or in a well on the Sabbath day, that that triumphs the Sabbath day. So mercy and obedience and love, these things triumph, things like sacrifice and the law. Amen. Remember, the law is not imperfect, but the law needs to be understood in the scope of who really God is. So now, again, remember what this expert in the law is inquiring about. He starts with the question, What do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus says, You know, you heard the expert, right? You're the man. What does the law say? And the man sums it up, as I said earlier Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if anyone could, as I was alluding to earlier, if anyone could perfectly do that, they could justify themselves. You could. Unfortunately, no one's ever been able to do it perfectly. Not a one. This expert realizes he has this shortcoming, so he has the follow-up question to try to justify himself. He says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He, he's driving, what he's driving at is that he loves some people as he should, but he realizes he doesn't love everyone as he should. Yeah, come on. I, see, it's, I think it's going to impact all of us today. I really have prayed that. So he rationalizes, as we do, that if I can narrow the definition of obedience here to a certain group, I'm still justified. I'm still okay. Jesus amazes us, doesn't he, in the way he answers with this story. I I probably would have looked at the guy and said, yeah, really, serious? I can see what you're doing right there. You know, you're just trying to rationalize and excuse yourself here. Thank God I'm not Jesus. Everybody say amen. Yeah, (laughs) not too loud. Okay, but no. All right. But Jesus goes on and he tells this parable. And as we, begin, as we begin to hear it, as he begins to hear it, the expert in the law hears about the priest, the Levite, and he thinks, okay, those guys are they're my guys. They're in my wheelhouse. And he hears their actions. He's probably applauding their decision to not help the guy. But then he mentions, of all things, you've you got to know the background, and I'll tell you in a moment, but he mentions a Samaritan. Now, the Jews hated the, the The mention of a Samaritan is incendiary to this man. It is like, it is like the, the, the prejudice, the hatred, the, the, uh, the animosity that the Jews felt to these Samaritans was unparalleled at the time. It was, it was horrible. And so, this man is standing in front of Jesus, confronted with his racism, with his prejudice, and his hatred toward this guy. He doesn't even know him, he's a, he's a Samaritan. And the Samaritan, uh, this unlikely character in the story, here's what's amazing, he sees the guy on the side of the road and catch this, he moves toward the problem instead of away from it, right? He moves towards the pain instead of away from it. Note this, the, the Samaritan comes down from his own donkey. I want you to start to see Jesus Christ here, Right? Okay, think about this. The Samaritan, for us, becomes an image and a picture of Jesus Christ. He moves towards our pain. He comes down from above to live among us, right, as a man. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. Both in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual way. We suffered through our sin and he healed us physically. He also brought words of life and showed us how to be healed spiritually by trusting in him. And he bandages the wounds. He he takes the oil and the wine, both which are symbols of the Holy Spirit. Both in those days were used to bring healing. And and he bandages and then pours oil and wine. But isn't it true also of the Lord that, that after he rose from the dead and ascended to be with the Father, what did he do? He poured out. His Holy Spirit on all of us. Are you seeing this? He's pouring out His Spirit on us. Jesus poured out and continues to pour out to this day His Holy Spirit on the church. Now remember again, the Samaritans are rejected. He, he would have hated this man without even knowing him. But then Jesus says, and then he takes, he goes over, he heals him, wound, heals, or bandages his wounds, and then, <coughs> excuse me, he, he takes the man, watch this, and he puts the man on his own donkey. Jesus left where he was and came down and put us where he was, took our place. He took our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Notice, it doesn't say Jesus sinned, but he became sin for us. He took all of our sins on himself. He took our place on the cross. Ephesians 2.6, watch this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He came down and took our place and put us in his place. He seated us. By the way, Christian, you're already seated in heavenly places right now. You already have authority. You already have that position in Christ. Come on. Someday we will physically also be there. But for now, spiritually, we exist at the right hand of the Father in Christ. Mind blown right there. What I'm describing to you, the, the story of the Samaritan, is the gospel. It's what Jesus did for us. He came to this earth. He gave himself for us. He took on our condition, made it his own, so that he could put us in his condition and in his place. Jesus took our place. The Samaritan comes to this man, and then he puts him on his donkey, and then, watch this, he takes him to a what? To an inn. Takes him someplace. He leaves money for the needs. He says, I'll come back. Notice, uh, he'll come back on the third day right? Because there's two days wages. He's going to come back on the third day to make sure that if there's any other needs, any other things, he's going to take care of it. He says, when I come back, hmm, I know something about Jesus coming back. Do you know something about that? He's coming back soon, I'm telling you, maybe sooner than we think. That, uh, sometimes when I say this, I have people afterwards, oh, pastor, when do you think the Lord, you know, I don't have a, well, I have a date, but that's my own business, me and God, but, but that's, uh, I'm jesting, but I'm saying, he is coming soon, don't let your hearts be troubled about that, because, because you are ready to go, if you know the Lord, you're ready to go when he comes, and I honestly believe he could come any day, I really do. So he takes him to an end, so, I'm kind of going to start to land this airplane, though it may take me a little longer than usual. But here's the thing. What's about the end? What about the end? Where does that fit into the story? I really believe that we're seeing Jesus hint at his church. He says, I'm going to build my church, okay? And I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't overcome it. Ultimately, it's Jesus who's bringing people to church. He brings people to church. Now, of course, when we speak of Jesus, catch this, believers, <laughs> all right? We can't disconnect ourselves from Jesus when he's doing stuff because he's the head and we're the body. So Jesus, in essence, is using us to go out and bring people to the inn. Right. Track with me now, okay? So we're, we're seeing the fact that when Jesus saves people and begins to heal them from their wounds out there, he comes and then he places them in a church so that the healing can continue to take place in their lives right? So that needs can be met. Come on, church. So that healing can take place and more can go on here. Now, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it was a well-traveled road. It was a big, like a business thoroughfare, if you will, uh, probably. Uh, but, but the deal is, and Rhonda and I, when we were in Israel, we drove down that road. On a, there's a highway there now. But it would have been a, a well-traveled road, but also treacherous in the fact that it's very steep and, uh, and it's, it's a, it follows a canyon and it winds. And there's lots of places where thieves could hide behind rocks and hills and little outcroppings and things as you wind your way. The, if, if you could kind of picture from Mission Ridge parking lot to confluence is about what we're talking about here in terms of altitude difference and in terms of length, about 17 miles. So it was a treacherous road. Not, not, it wouldn't be easy to make this in a day. And so these inns cropped up along the way as places of refuge so that people didn't have to stay the night because there's all these thieves out there hanging around. Okay? And, uh, and so, there, again, there would be all these hiding places for, for people who wanted to do evil things. So he takes the man to the nearest place that could meet the need. This, again, is the church. We're here on earth, as a purposeful place that's here to help people with their pain. When I say church, we must not think of a building or an organization per se. The church is people. Meaning, we're available, we are available. Come on, raise your hand if you're in the church today. I'm not saying a building, I'm saying, are you in the church? We are the people who are available to go wherever people are in pain and help them. But to properly help the church, listen. Okay, it does assemble together. This is this gathering we call this going to church, right? And 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 that's okay. It's a good, it's okay terminology. But we gather together so that the giftings and the the love that we have for each other, so we can uh, build each other up and and help each other and continue to pr- promote more healing and more help where we need to assemble together. It's important that we do. And and God will build us up so we can go back out and be agents of healing in the world around us. Bring them back to the inn with us, so that we can be in this place of healing together. The Samaritan said, "Take care of him." Without any explanation, this is very important of how he got in the condition he was in. Now, the innkeeper could have thought, "Well, this guy brought it on himself. He was foolish." And I smell alcohol in his breath, or, you know, I'm making that part up, but I'm just saying, all of a sudden, you know, if, if but there's no explanation from the Samaritan, he just drops him off. Care, caring for people does not mean we're condoning what's going on, but caring is a must. And just because we care about people doesn't mean we're agreeing with what they're doing or the lifestyle they're in. And it's not that we don't agree with a lifestyle because we're prejudiced or because we're mean-spirited or because we've got our own agenda. It's because we know from God's Word that it's destructive to their lives and we care about them. We don't want to see people go down a road that's going to destroy them. So that's why we care for people, but we don't have to condone what's going on. This is what happened with Jesus. Luke 15, 2 says, This man, speaking of Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. The word welcome in that sentence means to accept. He accepted sinners. He accepted them. And he ate with them. If we're not a place of love here at Praise Center, if we're not a place of acceptance and forgiveness, we are not the place that the Lord will bring the hurting to. Are you with me? When we have a dispute between us and a brother or sister, even in our own church, we usually handle this all wrong, don't we? We know what the Scripture says. We start talking to others about a situation we're in, or even, even though we know what the Lord has said about it, look at this verse as well, Matthew 18. Watch this. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out the fault just between the two of you. If they won't listen to you, or if they listen to you, excuse me, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take a, one or two others along. Right? Notice the order in which this happens. If you have an offense with a person, you go directly to them first. And if you start sharing that with another person first, you're sinning. And you're hurting, and you're destroying, and it's wrong. Knock it off. But if they won't listen to you, then you take one or two others along. You need me? I, I'll go with you. If, if you've got, you want to sit and get, get things right with somebody, I'll sit down and help you with that. Sure, of course. Any one of us could do that. We could do, all we got to do is just sit there and be, be there to help. Oh, I hear what you're saying. And, and you know, sometimes that's it. It's all, when you just speak it out loud, somebody says something, you go, okay, the, you are saying the thing that's right, but the way you're saying it, right? And you can point that out, and then they realize, oh, now I see my problem. And then we get it fixed. But if that won't happen, then, then it says in verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And then Jesus says, and if they refuse to listen, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I had a situation like this once where I did it everything in order. I went to the guy, he wouldn't hear me. I took another guy along, he wouldn't hear me. And uh, it became a matter of, uh, this was down in Ellensburg, it became a matter of a, a church kind of, not. I don't think we announced it in the service, but we mentioned it to leadership and everybody who was, a part of the church kind of knew what was going on, and this guy was asked to to go, and it was just a problem. He was just he just wasn't coming around, and and so I thought wow, I'm justified in my feelings towards this guy. He's a rotten, no good. He's like like what Jesus said. He's a pagan. He's a tax collector. <laughs> and in the midst of my little moment, the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Sal, how did I treat pagans and tax collectors?" Are you serious, Lord? <sighs> Are you serious, Lord? I started thinking about Zacchaeus. He was not only a wee little man, he was a bad little man. He, he, he was a tax collector and he was a sinner. He would take from people, he was mean. And, and as soon as Jesus meets him, he says, I gotta, I'm going to eat with you, sinner. <laughs> I'm going to have some food with you. That's how he treated tax collectors and sinners. Man, how come the Lord is always right? We think we're getting a pass when he gets to the end of that passage and he says, oh, treat them like this. And then Jesus is just pressing us to say, just love them all the more. Just just be open to relationship. Just, just love them anyway. I don't know if that gets you or not, but it gets me. I, I, listen, I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm just saying it's real. And it's what Jesus is saying. And then if, if you just go one more verse, verse 18, this is what Jesus says, right on the heels of what he just said about tax collectors and sinners and treat them like that, right? And then he says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's the thing. If we're harboring unforgiveness toward others, we are binding them up from being able to receive the love of God in their own lives that, that God wants to show them. Let's be about helping people get loose in Jesus' name. Not about binding them up through unforgiveness and petty situations and things. Are you with me on this? And listen, so why did I go on that tangent? Because it starts right here with us, brothers and sisters, until we get our stuff together to where we're a healed body. Why is the Lord going to send us more people that need to get that touch from the Lord, the wounded and the hurting? Why would he do that if we can't even get our stuff together as brothers and sisters? Just asking, throwing that out there. Pastor, I thought you were going to talk about how I could make the most of my life. Oh, (laughs) I see. I see the issue. You, You thought focusing on your own happiness would make you happy. I'll have to refer you to last week's message. Part one, making the most of your life starts with what? Dying to self, laying your life down. Remember this? Oh. I better slow down or something. It's getting... Worship team, come on back up. (laughs) Come on. This is real stuff. The key to making the most of our lives is not serving ourselves, but serving others. Those in the church and those who are not, both sets of people. You can't do that when you isolate yourself or you're not a part of a local body. You've got to be a part of a local body. We're going to actually talk about this in further detail in a, a few more weeks at the end of Rooted. Uh, the importance of church. We'll get more into that, but I just want to give you a preview of uh, you know things that are coming, coming attractions. When we come to church, we think uh, a lot of times we think, "Oh man, I, it's been a rough week, Pastor. I really need to receive something today. I need an Amazon delivery right now." Pastor, download a package that's going to make me happy. Many times we think that the reason for church is so we can come and get our tank filled through worship and inspiring message and, and, and so we can get through one more week. And I hope that happens for you when you come. And, but frankly, I'm just going to be real one more time. It's selfish. It just is. And it's short-sighted. Because it's more blessed to what? Give. What if we all came to church thinking, I'm not going to come with the idea of getting something. I'm going to come to church with the idea of given something today. <laughs> Come on. Paul said this. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Right? And we've heard preachers talk about this, that in the original Greek, it means not just be filled once, but to be what? Continually being filled Be being filled would be a a better way maybe to translate that. Be being filled with the Spirit. It's a daily filling. If we're filled with God, we don't come to church to be filled. We come to pour ourselves out. Like the oil and the wine on the wounds of the one who's hurting. Say, Pastor, is this going to make me happy? I don't know. I can't say for sure. But I will say this, when you pour out your life, you will be fulfilled again and again. Because every time you pour out, there's room for more, right? I think the Holy Spirit's trying to pour out on our lives daily, be filled with the Spirit. And He comes up to us on uh, on, on Monday and He goes, it looks the same as it did yesterday. You haven't poured anything out yet. I got nothing I can do right now. Pour out some. And I'll refill you. Pour it out. The filled full will be fulfilled as they allow themselves to be poured out so there's room to be filled full again. I had to read that, but I liked it. I made it up myself. Let me say it again. I think it was that good. The filled full will be fulfilled as they allow themselves to be poured out so that there's room to be filled full again. Are you with me? And when we do this together, we will make the most of our lives, I promise you. We'll live fulfilled lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PrayCenterOnline.com.